All right, Ruthann, we are going to be at the Louisville Truck Show this year. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. And what is our booth number? It is six. Hold on, I go back to it. Six zero one four one. We are looking forward to meeting and shaking hands with everybody, Ruthann. And we'll be, in case you can't find us, we are right across from the Kentucky State Police. So Ruthann's going to have to behave while we're there. And uh, we are looking forward to being there and, and just being part of the show, Ruthann. Yep, it's West Wing in booth number 60141. Come out and see us. Before we get started, let's go ahead and talk about a sponsor, Ruthann, truckparkingclub.com. If you're a landowner and you would like to sign your land up for truckers to be able to park on, get on truckparkingclub.com. And if you're a driver that is, you know, has hard times finding a truck spot, or even if you don't, sign up just in case. It's great to have them in your back pocket when you need a parking space in a pinch. It's such a great company that's that's solving a problem in the industry. Ruthann, go ahead and read that. Truck Parking Club is a network of instantly reservable daily and monthly truck parking locations throughout the U.S. Truck Parking Club helps connect truckers to truck parking locations throughout the U.S. via truckparkingclub.com. Our network is made up of property owners that have locations adequate for truck parking to list on the platform. This includes trucking companies, storage companies, CDL schools, trailer leasing companies, real estate investors, truck parking operators, and more. That is so awesome. Um, moving on, Ruth, and we also have DriveWise, D-R-I-V-E-W-Y-Z-E, and we'll be conducting an interview with them uh, this coming week, and they'll have a carrier spotlight. We call it carrier spotlight, but it's for companies that are sponsors. We, we, we spotlight them and uh, have a separate little podcast for them. Um, D-R-I-V-E-W-Y-Z-E, app-based company, allows anybody from one truck uh, owner-operator to a thousand truck fleet to just download an app and start bypassing the scales. It's just that simple, Ruthann. Moving on, also we have Carter Lumber. Carter Lumber is a great company for Class A and Class B. Class A and Class B and local home every day. Mm -hmm. And they'll also take a driver that does not have a CDL. They have non-CDL driving positions. And also check out uh, Carter Lumber. They have 160-plus locations east of the Mississippi. If you're a Class A, Class B, and guess what? If you're just graduating trucking school and you don't want to be on the road, chances are Carter Lumber can help you out with a, a local home every day job. Ruthann, last but not least. National Carriers. National Carriers. You know, we, we did a, a show there at their terminal a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Such good people. They have those beautiful Kenworth T680s. They have every possible job in trucking, lease purchase, team driving, solo driving, regional driving. Um, they have it all. And they'll also take a few students if you're graduating trucking school. Check out National Carriers and give them a call at 888 311 Seven six and tell them Talk CDL sent you. By the way, Ruthann Drivewise is going to be at the at the truck show this year also. So we're going to meet up with them and say hi. Maybe do a little video with them. Sounds good. Awesome. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. So Ruthann, why do you think the clearinghouse is clearing everybody out? I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? <laughs> I was going to say. Um, so now, mm -hmm. it just I mean, I'm just wanted to just a, a few seconds here. I want to talk about this. Listen to these numbers. Okay. Approximately 142,000 truck drivers 
have been taken off the road since January of 2020 because they failed a drug test or, you know, alcohol. And it was obviously, we know, um, just to make sure that everybody understands the clearinghouse, it is now the doctor that conducts the drug screen or the um, alcohol test. He is now a DOT certified doctor, okay, and if they do your pre-employment or they do your random and you fail, that doctor has the obligation, Ruthann, to put your failed drug screen in the clearinghouse, which now notifies everybody. At one time before the clearinghouse, many companies could hide it or not even report it, especially if they were related to somebody. Now nobody gets away. No, it's, it's a very strict program. So I, I dug up a few numbers. Listen, to this, uh, an estimated 1% of all truckers are... Dr- now, this is sad, actually, when you think about it. 1% of all truckers are driving under the influence at any given time. I know 1% don't sound like so much. It's sad. It's totally scary. It's terrifying, actually. Right. So, so they're saying that's 100,000 truckers. Yeah. And they actually think the number, Ruthann, is actually 2%, which would be at any given day, 2%. 200 up to 200,000 people on America's roads in a semi truck is either uh, consuming alcohol going down the road, or he's snorting coke, or he's smoking weed, or he's popping pills. He's doing something, or she, and it's illegal, and they're driving, making America's roads unsafe. You know that we're big advocates for truckers here. Yes, we, you know, we we grew up. I mean, especially me, grew up in the industry, loved trucking, but I don't. I absolutely do not condone in any way okay if you're an alcoholic and you're driving or you're a drug addict and i don't listen i don't mean if you're an alcoholic that's not drinking i mean if you're an alcoholic that you can't put it down and i mean this and i've said this before ruthann if you're a trucker and you're drinking right now and you're driving if you're listening to this podcast stop right now i'm serious stop right now it is so much the end result for you right now is so much better that you quit your job and maybe lose a lot of things because you can't pay your bills. I understand what you're thinking. But it's so much better for you than if you get caught. If you get caught in a semi-truck. I, d- I interviewed a guy the other day, Ruthann. His, his DUI was in a semi-truck. He yes. had a DUI and it was in a semi-truck. Sad. It, it's very sad because this driver, and he's really frustrated, not one person, will not there isn't a company... Even a lot of your crappy companies, because of their insurance company, they will not touch this guy. So if you get a DUI in a semi-truck, you're pretty much done for life. And then here's the other part. We've reported many, many fatalities, Ruthann, caused by a drunk trucker or a trucker under the influence of drugs in a semi-truck. That driver not only loses his license for life or can't get a job for life, but he also goes to prison for, we've seen guys upwards of 60 years on the show here, get, um, you know, a prison sentence because of being under the influence and killing one or multiple people in a big truck. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it was, I mean, we have our, our well-known cases of it, but then there's so many cases that are not worldwide or, or even U.S.-wide publications of it where the drivers have done damage to someone. It's it's those ones that that are horrifying to the extreme that get that recognition. But just because we don't see every one of them doesn't mean that it's out there or not out there, I should say. And, Sorry. and, and I'm going to say this before I forget, because I just want to read a couple more things and then we're going to move on to the next subject. 
If you have a problem with alcohol or drugs and you're driving a semi truck right now, stop. Pick up the phone and call me. Our numbers are on on our on our Facebook page. You can call me if you need someone to talk to, you need someone to try to help you. I promise you, I will 100% try to get you the help you need. I promise you that. Um, but I would I would not want to see you as a person. I understand addiction, Ruthann. You know, we've had it in our family. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, my niece was on heroin. Yeah. Okay. And she was, listen to this, my niece, you know, our, our, I ain't going to say her name, but she was a young girl and uh, somehow... You know, we could blame the guy she was with all we want, but you she, blame didn't, anybody. It's she still, didn't, she's still the one that, you know, elected, you make your own choices. elected to put it in her. Right. So she goes from probably smoking a little weed to next thing, you know, hooked on heroin, her and him. And like, we flew them down to Florida. Well, we flew her to Florida. We got her into a rehab center and she still didn't get off it right away. No. Eventually now she's what, about five years clean. Probably close to that now. Maybe, yeah, probably at least five, maybe six years clean. Praise the Lord over that. I mean that sincerely. I mean, what a blessing to be able to get off that stuff. But we understand addiction, and we understand how hard it must be to maybe only have a Class A CDL, maybe no other skill, and you're driving, making decent money, but you're hooked on this stuff. I promise you in the long run, it is not worth it. Because you will lose everything. You won't have the skill of driving a truck ever again. You're better off right now. Quit driving and get help. And if it means you losing whatever, if it means you being homeless, whatever, because it's only a temporary, it's only temporary, Ruthann, until the driver, okay, can get clean and then get back in a truck and make a good living and, and not have to worry about, Man, I hope they don't pull me over at this way scale. Man, I hope I don't do something stupid here while I'm driving and, and, and have an accident and have alcohol in my breath or have drugs in my system and then I get tested. Because if you have an incident with most trucking companies, they're automatically going to have you tested anyways. Right. So either way, you're screwed. Even if you have a little backup incident where it's not your fault, you're, you are now going to be getting tested, okay, with a lot of companies because their automatic rule, especially your bigger companies, the automatic rule is send them for a drug screen. It's yeah. an automatic. Well, you said the key word also is even if you weren't at fault. So you could be the most perfect driver in the world and someone else hurt you, you know, hit you or back into you or, you know, do something ridiculous. You will still have to go through that process. It's not just, oh, well, he hit me, so he's got to do it. You are both, both of you have to go through that process. And the one thing that um, has always been said when, when, we speak to someone that has any form of an addiction. They they say that it's what makes them feel normal. And then what happens is they have to keep taking more and more of the drug because then they don't feel normal again. And after they get off of it, they realize that it wasn't making them feel... That was their excuse to try and keep doing it. It wasn't that it was making them feel normal. Well, actually, a little bit... Um uh, every I went to a couple of those meetings with um, a couple people, and every every one of them were saying that. And because they were saying what happens with heroin, the heroin part now, they said what happens is when you are coming down because you haven't had your fix, it takes you below normal. You know what I'm saying? Like it, when you first start doing it, it makes you stoned and high to where you're above normal. But then what happens is as you're coming down, it takes you below your normal level. 
into like depression or whatever the case is. And so as they're doing it, it brings them up to where, see, because they say it's, remember there's an old saying, it's called chasing the white horse. Seriously, they call it chasing the horse. And what happens is the first time, the first couple times you use this drug, they say it's amazing. The, 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 it, you're stoned, you're high, but what it does is it wrecks your life because you can never get back to that high again. You never can get that same high again, and you spend the lo- rest of your time chasing that same high or the white horse, what they call it. And so, and, and like you're saying, Ruthann, it's probably not that they're getting back to a normal feeling. They're just needing to keep doing the drug, right? like you're saying. And so, I, and I never for the life of me could figure out and everybody knows heroin's one of the most addictive drugs in the world. I can never figure out why anybody would ever even take a chance of putting a needle in their arm or snorting it, ever. Because so many people have that, that I can handle it attitude. They don't realize that certain things are unhandable, and that's why it happens that way. That's why there's so many people with the addiction. They can't handle it. Oh, the toughest guy in the world thinks, I can handle that. They take it. Like a, any any form of drugs, steroids or... Um, heroin, cocaine, any of that. It's not something that could be handled. It's something that's always going to be tough on you. I 100% agree with that. So let me just read a couple more of these stats. This is prior to uh, the clearinghouse. It said many incidents of abuse were going undetected. It says, unfortunately, either because of willful ignorance, inadequate testing, or even industry-wide cheating on drug and alcohol tests. In fact, by providing ways to either hide it or skew it, came from magazines. You know how they advertise, like, especially in your GNC stores and all, they have, like, they advertise, like, powders that you can you can um, pass a drug screen with. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And, and I've talked to some drivers that says that it works, and then I've talked to some drivers that says that stuff don't work. They just got lucky. Yeah. Okay. Because they failed it while taking the stuff that the GNC stores, you know, recommend people will, they'll drink lots of water to dilute their piss. Oh, I, mean, I heard vinegar, vinegar. Right. I've heard a vinegar thing, but, but they're saying that a lot of this comes from, you know, your, I don't want to say GNC itself, but, but, but they do advertise these health and fitness stores advertise ways to avoid, especially because of the steroids, you know what I mean? They have, they, they have stuff you can drink that supposedly will avoid it, but I, I wouldn't count on that. But anyways, that no longer exists anymore because Clearinghouse is, is cleaning it up. Um, in recent, now listen to this, in a recent study prior to the Clearinghouse, the FMCSA attempted to target uh, the problem. They did a two-week sweep in Washington, D.C., for two weeks, they wanted to search for commercial truck and bus drivers who were operating under the influence of alcohol or drugs. It resulted in 287 truck drivers and bus drivers taken from the road, and 128 companies faced penalties due to drug and alcohol problems, and more needs to be done to protect other drivers on the road. Think about that, Ruthann. Uh, 287 drivers in two weeks just from one city. That's if you're going through, if you drove during that two week period, right Mm -hmm. through DC, odds are you went by a trucker or a Greyhound bus driver or a city bus or whatever 
a, one of those, you know, big commercial vehicles that was drinking. Imagine this. You send your wife or your, your kids get on the school bus and your odds are your five-year-old kid, if you're, if you have a 10-year-old kid in DC, if you have a 12-year-old kid, odds are, okay, in that two-week period, one of those 287 truckers or bus drivers was driving by your kid's school bus. Mm. Now multiply, Ruth, now multiply that one city by thousands of cities across the United States. Every day. You don't realize when you sent, put your kids on the school bus that there's a drunk trucker or a drunk bus driver, okay? Yes, it's a small percent, but still, it's still a problem. And it sucks because no one wants to lose, you know, the accident that everybody hates to lose a loved one to is a freak accident, something that shouldn't have been there. And there's no way a drunk trucker or bus driver should have been there that killed your kid, your grandkid, your wife, your husband, any of those people because they're, they're drinking or they're doing drugs mm-hmm. while operating a huge tonnage vehicle that can destroy so much. You know, it's one thing when, a, and a lot of people are going, what about the car drivers? Yes, the car drivers are just as bad or worse, but guess what? A car driver doesn't do near the destruction as that 80,000 pound truck. And that's why everybody's scared of it. Mm-hmm. Ruth Ann, any thoughts? Oh, I think it's terrifying. You cannot, you cannot sit there and justify being in a truck and having an illegal substance with you or, you know, yes, beer is not illegal, but it is while you're driving. So you cannot, it's, you cannot sit there and, and you cannot sit there and, and say how, um, how it's justifiable. It's not. It's not the only time that it's justifiable for you to be able to enjoy a drink when that truck's not moving is when you're on your own time and you're honestly at home. Yeah. And I, I really, I I would tell you guys, honestly, and again, I'm going to, we're going to move on, but I would put our information out there. Talk CDL. Send us a message on Facebook. Send us a message on, you know, any one of our accounts on social media. Um, our, our emails on our website, talkcdl.com, um, where a lot of our podcasting is. Um, get a hold of us. If you need someone to talk to, if you need some ideas, give us a call. We would love to help encourage you to get off that stuff. I mean that sincerely, Ruth Ann. I put myself out there for anybody that really needs a shoulder. I would like to help you because I truly believe, you know, just because of my own niece, not on that stuff anymore. I know you can get off it and I know you can stay off it. Yeah, it's true. Okay. There's many people say that. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Ruth, I got a question for you after, since we're moving on, do you have what it takes to be an owner operator? Mm, I think if it's something that I really wanted to do, I could. Business, like, and, and, and look, I, the reason I, 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 I brought this up because it's one of the topics, one of the issues that I've been dealing with in the last week and I've been seeing a lot of guys that are owner-operators, honestly, that probably should not be an owner-operator. Um, there's a lot of people out there that shouldn't be owner-operators. <laughs> right. Just because you can drive a truck and run 3,000 miles a week, honestly, because you can back in a tight hole in New York City, honestly, because you have 20 years of trucking experience, honestly, does not make you an owner-operator. No, it don't. 
And I would guarantee you there's owner-operators right now, lease purchase guys that are very successful, that are shaking their head yes, saying absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's, not, it's not just your job. It's a whole lifestyle. When you think about it, being an owner-operator, it's, it's, a, it's a considered a lifestyle. You know, they, it's not the, I'm the big dog. It's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch how I do things. I'm going to take my runs as much as I can. I'm going to do a lot of different things that not your normal company driver can, would do because being an owner-operator, you have more expenses that you may need to make sure you are maintaining your truck. You're, you're, you're not going to want to go and blow money because you don't know, just like anybody else that's self-employed, you don't know when you're going to get your check. That's a great point, actually. I didn't even, that wasn't even one of the points I was going to bring up, but that's a great point. Tell, tell us more. When you are an owner operator, okay, most company drivers, when they're on the road, they look at the truck being, you know, this is my home for the next week or two or whatever the case might be. So they look at ways that they're going to save money. You know, sometimes they're going to have the refrigerator and use it for certain foods, right? An owner operator looks at it and says, I can make this expense. One, good for me because it's and it's an allowable expense to take a write off, but it's also an expense that they could say, okay, well, instead of me going and spending twenty dollars because that's about how much you spend when you go in to get something to eat half the time, even fifteen, instead of going in there and spending fifteen twenty dollars on getting a meal that I'm going to eat and feel probably gross afterwards, I can go and get a hot plate, a crock, a rice cooker, a refrigerator, all that stuff, and you can keep it in your truck. And you can make your food, save a lot of that money, spend that in a, a couple of days, but that money then is being turned back into your, your, your truck as far as I've got, maybe you want to get new seats or you might want to get new lights or you might have to go and you know you're going to have to get tires. Those suckers aren't cheap. I know. So when you do this stuff, you don't want to spend the money stupidly. Because as an owner-operator, you're responsible for that truck. You need to make sure that you're doing it in a right way. So you're saying, as a business owner, you need to become more frugal. Yes. You, you need to look for the deals. And then you also need to not be splurging when you shouldn't be splurging. Yeah, that's your truck. It's a great point. It really is. Because like you said, this is a business. You want to build it up. I like that, Ruthann. Um, how about taxes? You know, as an owner-operator, do you understand? I mean, I've talked to lease purchase drivers over the years, and they'll say, yeah, I got to take 25 30% out, and I got to put that all back. And you know what? If you got the willpower to take that much out every week, I'm not going to tell you not to, honestly, Ruth Ann. But at the end of the year, you're going to have a lot of that money left over because if you incorporate yourself – and we won't get into that, Ruthann, but you understand when you incorporate, corporations eat taxes, mm -hmm. okay? So as an owner-operator, we've sat, I've actually sat and talked to the IRS about owner-operators, an IRS lady, and she said if owner-operators would actually file, which many of them get themselves in trouble, um, she said most of them wouldn't even pay anything. I mean, we've talked to drivers that are lease drivers last year that made over a hundred thousand bucks, and they paid in maybe twenty five hundred dollars tops. Yeah, it's it's you could do it a smart way, or you could do it stupid. Right, and so there's you know, uh, you've got to come into this trying to understand 
everything. How to pick a company, mileage, percentage, LTL. Um, you know, the proper equipment. Uh, well, you see, that's what I wanted to get into that a little bit. You know, we talked about last week, we said the number one truck in the United States for making money was, do you remember the brand? It was Freightliner. You talk to a lot of drivers that are becoming owner operators, you know what they want? They want a Peterbilt, they want a Kenworth. Most of them don't buy a Freightliner. Some of them do, but you're talking about cost savings, labor. You're talking about, in, in the end, better on fuel, all the way around better, even though Freightliner isn't the fanciest, and it probably ain't built as great as the Peterbilt. I'm not going to say they're not, that they are. They are where your money's. I mean, if you're looking to make money and to be an owner-operator, it really comes down to money. Because if you're investing money, that means you got to make money. You can't just invest money and lose money. I spoke to an, a guy that was a lease purchased guy this week. And I could not believe what was coming out of this guy's mouth. I really couldn't. He signed up with a flatbed company. Okay. And he, and he told the company, every, I mean, I actually, I, I had spoke to the owner of this company. He, to, he told the um, owner of the company that everything was good. I spoke to the owner. The owner said that they, he really liked the guy. The guy was agreeable. Sound, in, in fact, the guy had really good work history, but when you look at his work history, according to the owner, it was all company driver. Like he worked for, I think, TMC for a year. He worked for, um, I can't think of this, um, another big giant flatbed company, also worked for Anderson for a year or two. This guy literally had a really good reputation as a company driver. But he doesn't have the experience for lease. Well, here's what he's telling the owner of this company now. He's been there over a week, right? So the first thing he did was they dispatched this guy um, on a load to get him going, right? And what did he do? He literally could have delivered this load by, I believe it was last Friday, right? And instead, he slept 12 hours at the terminal before pulling out. This was after he went through orientation. He was all ready. The guy had, he was ready, hours to go, everything. He just decided to hang around and, and not get moving. So he ended up not being able to deliver his first load until that, till Monday. Now, that is an owner-operator, right? So he, he goes, and then he goes, and then he ends up going home for two days because he hadn't been home um, because of his last company hadn't gotten him home for four to six weeks, some, something like that, right? So he ends up delivering this load late, and then he goes and takes two days at his house. So then he leaves the house, and he delivers one load, right? And now it was, it was yesterday, right? And he, oh, let me back up a second. He told the, he told the company in the beginning of the week, to not give them any northern runs if they can help it. Then he also told them not to give them any tarp loads, right? Now, that's a flatbed company, right? Yeah, now this is a, this is a guy that's a lease purchase guy. He's he's telling them a week after he started. I don't want to really, really want to go north. And I, and if he would have told them that in the beginning, they would have never hired him. First off. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so then he tells the company, I don't I don't want to do tarp loads. So now he wants the company to start searching for non-tarp loads. So then 
Yesterday, the guy goes and he says to the company, I need you to start giving me three choices of loads. This is an owner. This is a guy that's wanting to be an owner operator. And so the company, so the company tried to tell him in a nice way, listen, man, with the industry right now, with freight being so horrible, especially at the end of February, beginning of March, you are not going to get three choice because because the guy's quoting this no force dispatch. Lease purchase guys are no force dispatch, you know, and I should be able to do what I want to do, right? Okay. Now, when you say that in crappy times, you want a company to get you no north, no tarp, and give you three choices of loads. What do you think? What do you think his choices are going to be every day? Not much. No, and plus he's minimized, minim, 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 minimizing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The choice is because he said, I don't want tarp. Yeah, he's hurting himself. So now he wants chain loads, which, you know, chains are heavy too. So I don't understand, you know, your chains and your straps to, to strap down your frap, your frat bed, your fat bed. <laughs> yeah, he's just, wanting no, he's just wanting no tarp. You know, they still have to be chained. You're right. You still have all that other work that you have to do. So I don't. He just he just make it more difficult for himself to get. Well, so here's the icing on the cake. All right. He the says chocolate. It was I don't know if it was chocolate or vanilla yeah, or or cake. maybe it was banana. But all I could tell you is he yesterday they said to the guy, okay, here's a load from I guess it was Birmingham, Alabama, right to um, somewhere in North Carolina, and I guess. The driver says he doesn't want the load, right? Oh, no. I'm sorry. It was a load from Knoxville, Tennessee, rather, I apologize, to Northern Virginia, right? Still a decent run. And the load was actually paying really decent from what I understand what the owner was telling me. So the guy says he says he, he wants to take a 34. Okay, so he's so far. Now, let me round this up. Go ahead. He started two weeks, sounds like around two weeks ago. He did one run, went home for two weeks or two days, did one more run in this whole time frame. So it's like a good week, week and a half. He's done two runs, right? Yeah, basically. So in the third run, he said he wants to take his 34. So... So now the guy's waiting all day trying to refuse this load. And he's saying to the owner, this is supposed to be no force dispatch. And the owner's trying to tell him, listen, guy, you didn't even make anything yet. I'm just trying to give you a load. And and the load delivers like Monday, right? It's going to deliver Monday because it's picking up Friday night. And the guy can just go into Virginia and do his 34 there. Right, he could already have the load ready to be delivered first thing Monday morning, and have a paid load under his belt and ready to go. Right, and 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 it's all because he don't want to do northern loads, right? So he's making up all these excuses about no force dispatch. He should be able to do what he wants. And the because so, because re- Virginia's northern to him. Well, when you get up to northern Virginia, you know you're up, you know you're up near D.C. If you're living in the South, the, northern Virginia is north to these guys. But but the bottom line with it is, this is why I wanted to bring this subject up. You know, do you have what it takes to be an owner operator? 
drivers out there, if you are considering right now, especially lease purchase is very dangerous unless you go with a company that has their own freight or contracted freight. If you're going with spot market freight, you're probably hurting your, your, you shouldn't be doing it. But if you're wanting to be an owner operator or a lease purchase driver, you got to do what it takes, Ruthann. You've got to listen. If, if you got a good paying load going to New York, I don't care if it goes to New York city. Most drivers going, yeah, but then I got to pay them tolls. I don't, it doesn't matter what you've got to write off. It, well, here's what it also doesn't matter what you got to pay if the profit at the end of that load is good. If you if you if you're just saying uh, if you if you're more honest and saying, look, I just don't want to go there because I'm afraid of New York City. That's one thing. But if you say I don't want to have to pay the couple hundred dollar tolls to get in and out of there, but at, at, if you're coming out of New York City and you've just put say two grand in your you know two grand profit out of that, Ruthann, what's a couple hundred dollars? Well, I'm just saying after expenses, you, right. you say you made two grand or even $1,500 to run up there and then pick up maybe a crappy load coming out of Pennsylvania or New Jersey going back down south or Midwest. What does it matter? Okay. The bottom line is the guy that doesn't want to take the loads up north, he sits cherry picking a load. That's called cherry picking. Mm -hmm. He sits cherry picking a load and he ends up waiting at least one day, maybe even upwards of two days, waiting for the load going like say to Texas or something or 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 Arizona, something southern where he's he's maybe making a dollar, but he lost money because his truck sat for two days and he's still paying truck payments and insurance and everything, sitting around doing nothing. You're still paying. You you just because especially if you have a, a tractor that when you're you know, you're not gonna sit in the idle. When you're in it. Well, unless you have an APU, but you're still losing. Like you you're said, if you're, you're losing idle, money. You're paying out money in idling. You're paying money out because yeah. it costs you daily for your truck payment. Exactly. So you're still losing the money. So that's where you are not really made to be a business person. If you cannot constantly think of a way to keep that tractor moving, that is your business. Yeah. So, so really what I wanted to say, and I'm going to, we're going to end this segment here in a second. If you don't have what it takes in business, a business mind. If you're a guy right now, and there's a lot of these guys, Ruthann, that they, they, and I've talked to them over the years, and I've talked them out of becoming owner-operators because a lot of them think, because my name's on that truck and I'm paying for that truck, I can do whatever I want. I want to tell you something. Two years ago, a year and a half ago, when the COVID times were all coming up and the rates were just through the roof and you guys can make money and, and pick wherever you want to go, I'm going to tell you something. Truly, yeah, at that moment, you can say that. It's my truck. I'll do whatever the hell I want. Unless you own your truck outright and you don't have a truck payment, okay, and you're staying local, Okay, if you're an over-the-road guy doing a lease purchase, I'm talking more to lease purchase guys than really the guys that are buying their trucks with them. If you're a lease purchase driver, that name, your name is not on that truck until you pay it off. It's still the company's truck. And the last thing they want is their truck sitting for days. If you go and lease purchase on with a company, they need to make their 20% or their 10% or whatever their percent is. They want to make their money. And if you're a guy that's saying, I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to run when I want to run. I'm going to go home when I want to go home. At least purchasing is not for you. 
No, it's it is not. absolutely not for that kind of a driver. And especially f- fast forward to our times today, you're talking right now, Ruthann, a, an industry that doesn't have a lot of freight. And we're about to talk about that companies going out of business like crazy because the freight volume is down and you're going to come into the industry thinking you're going to be a lease purchase driver calling all the shots and you'll get some companies that will lie to you and tell you that you're in charge. And when you get there, you're in charge. If you take the load, if you don't take the load, you're going to lose your ass. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. So if you're not prepared to go where the freight is, and I'm going to tell you something, a good portion of the freight in this United States goes to the Northeast. So if you don't want to do the Northeast and you think you're going to find a lease job right now that's going to keep you in the South. And some of these guys may still have a decent lease out there, Ruthann, and they're running for a company that has um, contracted freight or their own freight. Mm-hmm. Those guys might be still doing pretty decently, but they, they ain't leaving their job. Those guys are going to stay there. And those jobs aren't open right now. I no. can tell you that. No, the, the, you have to, if you want to sit there and contemplate whether or not you, this is for you, sit down and write your pros and your cons. What am I willing to give up to be a owner operator? What am I willing to invest to be an owner operator? What do I not want to do? You know, if like Troy said, if you're not willing to go all 48 and in the Northeast where a lot of the prominent freight goes, Chicago, don't do it. That it's not something for you. You have to realize it's it's a commitment that you have to do. It's no different than a marriage. It's no different than a, any other form of a relationship because that tractor is what's going to make you the money to get you to retirement or get you to a, a place of security that you might be willing to, that you, that you want to do. If it's starting out small and building your own fleet, you will never get there if you're not willing to to do these things. That's the same way as if you had a driver, think of it that way. If you had a driver, you had your own tractor and you're, you had someone driving for you and they're not wanting to go up to the Northeast or, or to certain areas. And you're like, but you have to, cause that's how our truck's going to make the money. You, you have to decide whether or not you're willing to do that. If you're not, then don't look at that as being the venture to go to. Let me just, I'm, we're going to end this segment, but let me, let me just break it down in a couple words, Ruthann. If, if, if you're a driver that wants to do what he wants to do, that wants to go where he wants to go, that wants to be home when he wants to be home, that wants to stay home as long as he wants to stay home, leasing is not for you. It's not designed for that guy. I'm going to tell you just in a couple simple words, leasing and lease purchasing is only designed for the driver that's willing to do what it takes and bust his ass to make the money. I promise you that... 100%, especially when times are really crappy like right now, Ruthann, leasing is not for that guy that, that thinks it's it's designed for the guy that wants to run the way he wants to run. It is absolutely not. And if, if you found one like that, hang on to it because there's probably no other openings because there's a million guys that want that job. And they do not exist right now, Ruthann. Ready to move on? Moving on. Let's move on, drivers. Sad story, Ruthann. Just a quick note on something that... I read the other day, I think it was on CDL Life, um, a truck driver was reported missing. They found him deceased. Guess mm. where? Underneath his own truck. Underneath it? Apparently, it says, says the body of a truck driver was discovered at a truck stop in Kenley, North Carolina on Thursday morning, according to a local news outlet. It says police in Kenley were looking for a truck driver after he failed to contact his employer as scheduled, according to... To the Johnson County report, it says this. It says, around 10 a.m. on March 2nd, Kenley police discovered the body of a truck driver 
underneath his truck in the rear lot at the Petro truck stop located off of I-95. It says police found tools near the truck and believe that the truck driver was underneath the vehicle making repairs when the truck rolled on top of him. <gasps> so, guys, listen, man. It's so important to make sure those... Br- I'm serious. Ruthann, you know, I'm... I'm ditzy, and you know that. I'm I'm absent-minded sometimes. That stuff like that scares me that I would do. You know what I'm saying? Remember, I told you the story about the driver. It was a CR England driver, okay? Up at um, oh gosh, it was this was like 30 years ago. I think I believe it was a CR England driver. His wife got out to shut the doors. They had mm-hmm. just pulled out of the dock. He, the truck driver pulled up. The dock was on a, on a little bit of a pitch. The truck driver pulled out and then started doing his logs because that was paper logs back then, right? And be, you know how you got to really push down on the brake as in, in a semi-truck? Somehow, I've done this before where you start drifting and you don't even realize you're drifting, right? Well, apparently, while she was back there shutting the doors, he drifted back and killed her. Poor, poor, poor guy, you know, and... Um, you know, it, just not paying attention, guys. And so, obviously, this trucker, his truck somehow drifted back on him and, and crushed him. Now, I don't know the full details, but the bottom line is, obviously, this stuff is preventable. And, you know, the other thing that I would do, especially if you're on an angle, if you're on an angle where something can really roll hard, I'm chalking my wheels. Yeah, I would agree. I'm, I'm breaking. I'm ch- if I'm going under something, I'll tell you what, like I've been underneath cars that are jacked up and you're looking at it like, well, I hope that doesn't kick out. I'm going to get crushed here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've been I've been under cars working on them with some skimpy ass jacks and jack systems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a tractor trailer can crush you in five seconds and you're done. Guys, be careful. Be careful. Mm-hmm. And that's it on that segment, Ruth Ann, moving on. Moving on. Ruth Ann, uh, you know, I'm just going to mention a couple things here. Um, we're going to start talking about layoffs in trucking. Right now, it's 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 horrible. It, I mean, I'm serious. And we've been predicting this, and many people have been predicting this. It's 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 been getting worse. You know, look, and I'm going to say this again. What happened? What happened was you had the COVID times and because of the COVID times, rates were so high because brokers couldn't get their, their rate, their freight delivered. You know that. I do. Okay. And so what it did was, and I just read an article agreeing with me where it attracted new trucking companies. People seen that I'm talking like, not just from the U S companies from all over the world. They're looking at the United States and they're going, wow, look at that. You can, you can buy a truck. And, and, and run 2,500 miles a week to 3,000. And one guy can bring home anywhere from three to 10,000 bucks after cost. This is what these guys, some of these guys were making crazy money. And, and then all of a sudden, after the stimulus checks went away and all the truck drivers and, and people that were sitting at home collecting that money, and it was a big amount of people. The reason we know it was a big amount of people is because these brokers were paying this giant, these giant rates. Mm-hmm. They had to beg people to take their freight. Well, all of a sudden, stimulus checks went away. The um, weekly unemployment checks went away. And these truckers that were sitting home, they all flooded back into the market at the same time the fuel went up last year, mm-hmm. which was this crazy, crazy... Um, combustion. S- combustion situation, whatever. I like that word, combustion. Anyway, so what happened was, next thing you know, they went from making crazy money, and this is why we were just talking about the bad times in lease purchasing. A lot of these guys are 
bringing home they were bringing home three, four, five thousand dollars. I'm talking the least guys right now, Ruth, and that are bringing home two and three hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars. And these are these are with companies that were promising three thousand dollars a week. These guys are not making it. And this is what's going on. And so I seen an article that says, Why are so many trucking companies going out of business? Well, this is why. Layoffs are crazy right now. Trucking companies are tightening up their belt. They're trimming down. They're selling equipment. They're trying to hang on and survive. But with the rates the way they are, this is this is what's happening right now, Ruth. And they're pushing trucking companies out of the industry. And guess what truck drivers are doing? To survive, they're taking lesser paying jobs. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago where, you know, these guys that were getting 70, 75 cents, and there's still some guys getting that. But what's happening is the guys that leave that company because they're not getting miles they're the next guys are getting hired in at 55 60 cents a mile you know what i mean and so now they're paying those they're giving those guys more miles than the guy that was getting the 70 cents a mile mm -hmm. and it's, so it's slowly bringing everybody's pay down so pay reduction in the industry is happening right now for those that want to survive and hang on and drive you're taking lower paying jobs it's just a fact right it is what it is and so but it's forcing a lot of these companies out of business Ruth then here's uh, and, and not just trucking companies. Here, I want to read this right here. I just want to read this little bit of an article here. It says, trucks are going out of business at an unprecedented rate. It said, in recent months, many auto industry workers have been struggling to keep up due to, poor, uh, to the poor state of the industry currently with prices high and inventory still low. It says, but the problem is not limited to dealership workers and auto transport workers seem, it says auto transport workers seem to be dealing with an equally big problem. Trucking companies are going out of business at an unprecedented rate, and it may not be for the reason you might think. It says, in order for the industry to flourish, supply must meet the current demand. But with roughly 2 million truck drivers in the United States, there's now far more competition. See, remember mm -hmm. it said, remember I was telling you earlier, what happened was that COVID thing, it attracted a lot, like a lot of trucking companies. And I think they're going to say it's like 190,000 new trucking companies popped into the industry during COVID. Mm -hmm. So, so then when you had the truckers going back to work after stimulus checks went away, you had too many people and not enough freight. Mix that with low assembly lines, Ruthann. Yeah. You know what I mean? Low, low production. Right. Mix all these guys come back in the industry with, with, with like GM and Toyota and, and how many times we go in Walmart and, and we see this bear, that's bear. This ain't being produced. This ain't being produced. Um, we were talking to the Honda dealer. That's what I was day. thinking of. That's what I was going to say when you said about the production line, I was going to mention that and then what I did, didn't want to cut you off. <laughs> no, go ahead. That's cool. What did he tell us? He said that some of the chips that are being made, mm -hmm. that they're not the adequate chips that there used to be correct so when you have like um like in my car itself in my passport i have it that the front seats and the passenger back seats have heated seats well some of these chips will have it to where not all the seats that it's supposed to have heated will be heated right they're coming through with like the front seats only or the back seats only heated right or what was the other thing the you lane, said? The lane, uh, uh, what's it called? The what? lane assist is where... An, um, well, not the assist, but where uh, the lane alarm where like if you're going... For the to, turn signal. Right, and you put your turn signal on when you're passing somebody where it goes doot, 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 if the car is still beside you. Yes. Right. So he, what did he say? He said a lot of They're them... They're not having them. Right, he said the, 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 so the chips, 
that they're building right now are not adequate, like Ruthann said. And guess what? Um, so you, you have all this stuff that's not being produced. Mix that all up with these new trucking companies, and then the drivers coming back into the industry. You have a situation where we haven't had in a very long time. You have a flooding. You have a flooding of, of people wanting to haul it, and you have nothing to haul. Mm -hmm. So mix that all together, it spells a couple things. Trucking companies going out of, out of business, trucking companies laying off, and truck drivers taking less money in order to keep going. And that's just the truth. I think there's also one thing that you didn't mention that I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention it, and I could be wrong. But you have these drivers that did work when the freight was high, and they come in with this arrogance that they feel as though they should still be getting this higher rate, but it's not paying. So these companies that need drivers to keep their trucks going, they're having the choice of these drivers that are coming in with this arrogance that they can't hire them because they can't pay them that. They're not offering that kind of rate. So they're now having to, like you said, turn their truck in or, or, or reduce their, their fleet because of it, because there's drivers not wanting to come in to keep these, these companies going, it's not going to stay that way. It's going to get better. But the problem is, is these drivers, where are you going? You're not going to go to a company that's going to pay a higher rate. It's not there. Exactly. And that's, and that's a good sentence right there to use. It's just not there. It's you not. know, we feel bad for you drivers. I mean, we really do. We know, we know personally, we've been saying this for years. Drivers should be making a lot more than they are I be agree. because of what we sacrifice, what we go through out there. And it's a professional skill, what we do. But guess what? When it's just not there, like Ruth Ann just said, there's nothing, there ain't much you can do about there it. There isn't. There's it, nothing that we can do. Right. If, you know, there's, my dad used to say, something is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. And so now our wages are the same way. They're only, we're only going to get what somebody willing to pay because they're only can pay what they can pay because for the simple reason if their rates are down if trucking companies are hauling for less that means they've got to cut corners somehow and it's usually driver pay it is it'll be driver pay and then when the drivers aren't there or aren't coming in then they're going to start reducing their fleet you know, this next article goes along with this. Drivers may like this, but, you know, some autonomous companies that were building, you know, think, thinking they were going to make trucks driverless, a lot of them are going out of business right now, Rita, and I was just reading crazy stuff. Embark. Embark. We've all seen Embark on the road, right? It says Embark Trucks, the autonomous trucking company that went public in 2021 via, now listen to this, guys, 2021, they merged with a special pur purpose acquisition company it says they're cutting 70 percent of their workforce wow and and it says and the pain is not over there the ceo alice rodriguez noted in an email he says that the remaining 30 percent of the workers will focus on winding down operations so it sounds like they're just going out yeah so it sounds like winding down operations does sound like they're they're looking at reducing and um what's the word i'm looking for well they're not they they're not doing you know autonomous trucks are not where they they promised they'd be by now liquidating and a lot of them exactly and a lot of them ruthann had lost a lot of their backers because people were investing billions of dollars in all this autonomous stuff and now all of a sudden it's it's taking a crap well i think also could be one of the reasons it could be taking i don't want to say taking a you know a crap yeah i, don't, I just don't like that <laughs> anyways Maybe what some of the reasoning is, is because of the backlash they're getting because drivers, you know, they're seeing that it's going to take away from too much. And then the FMCSA coming up with the regulations that they're coming up with for autonomous vehicles, 
or tractors, I should say, they might realize that it's not really as, as beneficial as they think it's going to be. Well, I'm hoping. I, I almost think it's, you know, poetic justice in a way. Yeah. And we got, we got some stuff on another autonomous trucking company having troubles. Um, but it, it says, let me, let me just finish this here. It says okay. the company said that in a regulatory filing that about 230 employees were laid off Friday. A source familiar with the plan said the cuts were announced Friday morning. The layoffs are expected to occur in the first and the second quarters. Unfortunately, after thoroughly evaluating all alternatives, we have been unable to identify a path forward for the business in its current form, Rodriguez wrote, later adding, today, having exhausted all alternatives, we are taking the incredible incredibly difficult step in laying off 70% of the company and shutting down our Southern California and Houston offices. The layoffs come more than a month after banking advisory firm Evacor met with various AV autonomous vehicle companies to explore selling Embark's assets. According to one source, a sale of assets appear to be the next order of business According to the regulatory filing posted on Friday, Embark's board approved Wednesday a process to explore, review, and evaluate a range of potential strategic alternatives available to the company, including alternative uses of its assets to commercialize its technology, additional sources of financing. So they're, they're, they're needing money, it says, as well as potential de- dissolution or liquidation of its assets. So listen, I mean, y'all can read this article. It's in um, a place called techcrunch.com. Check that out, guys. It's it, Look, it, it is what it is. The, you know, autonomous, these guys were so pumped up on making a driverless trucks that they spent their wad and then they had problems. Here, I'm going to move on to this next story that's kind of with it. You've heard of Too Simple. Another autonomous trucking company, right? An autonomous truck maker, rather. I shouldn't say trucking company. Listen to this. Now, they, I didn't know this, but there was an accident. Too Simple had an accident, right, mm-hmm. on a driverless truck. It's, now, listen to this. It says, Feds closed probe into the Too Simple autonomous truck crash. Uh, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration has closed its investigation into a heavily publicized crash of Too Simple autonomous truck. Too Simple said it responded to several FMCSA requests following the April 6th non-injury incident on uh, Interstate 10 in Arizona. The probe closed with no penalties. The National Highway Safety Administration declined to open a separate probe, the company said. A driver, listen to this. This is what pisses me off about this, this article. Um, they, Of course, the company tried to blame the driver. <laughs> I of thought the, it was a driverless of, vehicle. Right, of the driverless vehicle. Now, listen, it says a driver supervised, it was a driver supervised autonomous truck. So there was a truck driver in it. It says he, he it said he took an unintended sharp, the truck rather, not the driver. It said the truck took an unintended sharp left turn across a lane of westbound traffic on I-10. So it cut in front of everybody without any warning, and struck a concrete barrier. It says the safety driver tried to counter-steer the truck, which followed a computer-generated command that was several minutes old. So now let's stop right there for a second. So did you hear what it said? The, the, the command was several minutes old. And it was also a command to do what? Just turn. So all of a sudden, the chip went, cut left here. 
Well, we're going down the interstate. Just make a quick left. And so obviously, what was that? Made me think of when I went in a parking lot and I keep telling you, park here and you're like, what? Oh, I hate that. <laughs> she does that crap to me all the time. I'll be, I'll see a parking space that I want to go to and she'll go here and I'll be like, stop it. But, but, but anyways, go, going back to this. So this two simple truck, right? Commanded by its computer system to just turn left, make a left, right? And you know, it, what it reminds me of Ruthann is, these, these companies, and I've, we've read articles where they see a day where a truck driver can just lay in his bed while he's going down the road. In fact, we did a report on the trucks that spoon where the one driver drives down the road, right? Mm-hmm. And he controls the truck behind him, and that guy has to sleep because he's going to be the guy getting up and controlling the truck himself at one time. But guys, you see... Just by computer error, how would you like to be in bed going down the road and your truck just decides to go, hey, you know, I think I'm going to go off this thousand foot ravine. You know, boom, you're dead. Just because all of a sudden in one second it fried, it did whatever. Who the hell knows why the computer did it? But listen to this. I want to move on. It says, um, it says too simple. This is the company, T-U-S-I-M-P-L-E, too simple, initially said the incident was driver error. So, you know what I mean? Uh, right away, because they're scared, oh my gosh, we'll lose our funding. Oh, we better, oh my gosh, we better be careful because our, our, our driverless truck just made a big boo-boo and hit the big bridge. Um, driver error, driver fault. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. It's the driver. going to do that. It's the driver's fault. That was the guy that lived under the stage, right? At the David Letterman show. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. It was the driver's fault. It was, yeah. But so, so it says, too simple initially said the incident was driver error. Later, it acknowledged its computer system and the safety driver were both responsible. So they're both at fault. And and I'll admit, probably so. If I'm the safety driver in a in a, in a non driver truck in an autonomous vehicle. I'm not even getting my ass out of that seat route then. I don't care how many miles I've gone without it really wrecking or doing anything stupid. I'm not, I'm paying attention. I am literally going to be there. That's your job. That's your job. So yes, I would say it was partly his fault, but at the same time, I don't care who's, I don't care what anybody says. If the wheel all of a sudden just goes and does that, that it, it's, you don't it, have the reaction time. Exactly. There's no way you're just going to grab that wheel and get it back under control. So I would say it was 99% um, computer-generated fault and 1% driver, or maybe a couple percent more. Well, here, here's here's what I have to say with this part here, because I'm, I'm the one that you like to say that has the worst reaction time in the world when it comes to certain things, right? You'll say, look there, and it takes me like, what? You know, if you're going down the road... And you're sitting there driving, even if you're paying attention and the wheel decides to, you know, hang a Louie, how it's already, even if you grab that wheel, the, in the, the engagement that the tractors already started, you're still going to have the lane directly next to you. And probably if it's a three lane, if you're in the far right, you're still going to have those next two lanes getting the repercussion of your tractor doing that because of the fact that you can't just go over and then pull it back again. There's still there, no matter what the case was, that computer chip, whatever that tractor's mind's thinking 
that is the initial start of whatever it was because you cannot sit there. I know I said thinking you can't, the driver couldn't have stopped whatever it was going to do. There's no possible way. I agree. It's almost like if you think of the same concept of you slide on water or ice and your car goes sideways, only a professional stunt driver is probably going to be the guy to bring that back under control or somebody gets lucky. Other than that, most people are going to wreck. Once your car starts going, you know what I mean? You go into a slide. It's the same. That's what happened to that that driver in that truck, even if he was sitting in the seat, which he might have been, but he might have been sitting there reading or not paying attention. I don't know that part. But for you to grab onto that wheel, once that truck whipped to the left, guess what, man? It doesn't really matter. You're now hard, you're now probably in a slide, and now you have to be like a stunt driver trying to bring a tractor trailer back under control. The odds are you're going to wreck, and really, it was really the truck's fault. It was mm-hmm. the brain fault. It was, it was just computer Error, and it's bad. Now, listen to what happened as a result. Mm. It said, Two Simple's leadership among autonomous trucking startups suffered from the crash. It was the first to conduct a driver-out pilot called Ghost Rider. The truck with no human in the cab covered 80 miles of night driving from Tucson, Arizona, to the rail yard east in uh, east of Phoenix in December of 21. Listen to this. It says, Too Simple did not immediately inform Navistar. Navistar was the manufacturing partner at the time about the crash. So they didn't even immediately tell their backer company, right? Now, you know, that's not good. That's really not good, man. When you like start hiding stuff from the guy with the money and, and, and the boss or whoever the hell it is, it says, following several months of boardroom drama in late 2022, Navistar and Too Simple ended a two-and-a-half-year partnership targeting development of a Too Simple-enabled international LT Class 8 truck that was to go on sale in 2025. So Navistar said, you know what? We're out. Mm-hmm. You know, it says, um, so t- Too Simple said, we prioritize safety at Too Simple CEO Chen uh, Cheng Lu said in a statement after the incident, we halted autonomous operations, launched an internal rev- review and collaborated with regulators. Um, our review resulted in additional improvements in our system and testing operations. I'm not, I'm not buying that to be honest with you he says we are committed to continue of course they're going to say we're continued to committing our mission of developing a commercial ready fully autonomous driving solution for long haul and heavy i don't think they're ready ruthann i think that right there just that little bit of a incident with a driver in there to watch it and that's just one accident that happened how many times do you think that the the safety driver, I guess that's what they're calling the guy in the truck. How many times do you think the safety driver in all these trips had to grab onto that wheel? And I would be willing to bet, and I mean this sincerely, I'm going to just say allegedly, and it's my opinion, whatever you want to say, I would be willing to bet that those drivers that are safety drivers in those trucks are obligated and contracted or whatever the case is not to tell anybody of anything that happens negative in that truck. I agree. Would you agree with that? Yes, I agree. They're probably under some kind of uh, contract to keep their mouth shut. I would be willing to bet mm-hmm. 100% because there ain't no way that those trucks, I mean, we've got semi-autonomous 
vehicles and they'll go like a mile to three miles on an interstate and then they'll slowly start drifting off the road and we got to grab the wheel. Mm-hmm. I would just be willing to bet they've spent billions of dollars, the industry's embarrassed, and, and I feel bad for them, but I'm actually happy. I really mean this because the last thing I want to see is millions of truckers out of work. And I'm not saying that someday autonomous trucks won't be there. No, I'm sure it will be someday. I don't think it's going to be as soon as they think it is. Nope. Absolutely not. Nope. We're not ready for the Jeffersons. And I would love to or know. Or Jetsons, sorry. I would love to know if the FMCSA, the government, everybody that's involved in this, are they seeing and hearing of any reports? You know what I mean? Like, if I'm the FMCSA or I'm the government, right, I'm, my question to Too Simple and Bark, all these autonomous vehicle makers, you know what my question is to them? I want a report of every mile of how many times your safety driver has to put his hands on those mm-hmm. on that wheel, how many times your safety safety guy has to hit them brakes. We want a full report and we want cameras in that truck. We, we, in fact, we don't want a report. We want it all videoed yeah. so we can go over tapes and tapes and tapes of what's actually going on in that truck. Right. Because listen, the last thing we want to do is, and, and look, a lot of these guys stand to make billions. That's why they were investing. I want to just say this also, ever since that all happened, listen, just listen to this craziness. Too simple. In April of 21, they started with $8.1 million market capitalization, right? Too simple shares began a roller coaster ride that eventually turned downward. Too simple shares closed on Thursday. You ready what they closed at? A dollar eighty compared to 50, it's fifty two week high of sixteen forty, but it gets worse. Listen to this. It says the company went public at forty bucks a share. It traded as high as seventy dollars a share. Okay of tech startups suffered under investor abandonment beginning in late 21. So at one time, it was up to $70 a share. Think about that. If you had 1,000 shares, that's $70,000. If you had a million shares, that's like $70 million. Isn't that crazy? And then all of a sudden, you get down to $1.80. That's almost penny. Well, that is, that's penny. And that they was are now- less than a year. That was, a, that was really, he said, said twenty. 20- 21 yeah. it started and then late in 21 is when it stopped so really it's it's penny stock company right now eight eight months ish yeah so, that area so there you have there you have embark um going downhill right you have two simple their investors are pulling out so th- does that show you what the investors believe in now if you're an investor and you pulled out your money and you have companies, these, 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 these uh, autonomous truck makers are slowly crapping out. That tells you that the money doesn't have confidence in you anymore. That's what that tells me. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now. So, Ruthann, we are going to be deep following these stories. We are going to be deep watching what's going to happen in the future to autonomous truck makers. And, and you know, I know a lot of drivers out there were really fearing. I'm just going to say it feels like a little breathing room that this isn't going to happen. And then, like, I think it was like in 2030 something, they were going to want to see a certain percent of self driving, no truckers in trucks driving cups. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't look like it to me is going to happen. I don't think so. And you know, when you said with the FMCSA that they should want the um, reports. The driver-facing cameras and so forth, to, so they can do it's it's the word that we need to to coin what the phrase I should say is how many times driver involvement, human involvement needed to be made for that tractor to stay on the road at a safe distance, at a safe 
um, what driving, uh, I can't think of the word now. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, think about just going on but what just, you're Yeah, just. Good, just going on what you were saying. Look, look at that, that trip. They said they did an 80-mile trip at night from, from Nevada, was it, to Arizona or whatever, right? 80-mile trip. Think about that for a second. So you did it at night, right, when there was, and I would be willing to bet they did it at like 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, when there was the least amount of traffic mm -hmm. on the road. Mm -hmm. I would be willing to bet that there were, he said there was no driver in that truck at all, but I would be willing to bet, I would be willing to bet they had a remote control that they could shut it down if something went wrong. And I'd be willing to bet there was vehicles in front of it, vehicles following it. They were they were monitoring that thing the whole time, and they were probably chewing on their nails. I, I, I'm like you. I would like to know what the monitoring shows to every one of these these not these drivers that have the safety driver that's not supposed to touch the wheel. I would like to know what is the statistics on how often you got to grab that wheel and how often you got to touch that brake. And I bet you we can't get those stats right there. Human involvement. How much? Maybe when we go to Matt's and the FMCSA is going to be in the lobby there, we should say this is a question we want you to start asking. Yeah. Hey, let's do it. I, I don't mind doing that. Yeah. So anyways, awesome. Ruthann, awesome podcast this week. I think it's time to move on. Do you have the word of the day by word genius, Ruthann? I do. They make us smarter every time. They do. Um, I do want to say one thing, though. Yeah. If we have a moment here, um, Michigan has their um, frost laws that they do. Oh, cool. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, the frost laws, they usually have it where the state of Michigan, during certain time, their weight restrictions have to be um, upheld in certain areas because of the roads, the condition when their roads are thawing. We're right now, starting March 6th, um, they're going to now um, reduce the area in Michigan where these frost laws or what they're called um, rolling back spring weight restrictions to being uh, right above Grand Rapids on... Um, I'm not sure what interstate that is. It tells me here though. Um, interstate US 31 and um, where it goes with uh, 46, those that area there in Mus Muskegon County. And then also in, uh, I don't know what the M is for. I don't know. It just says... Highway south of lying on M55 from US 31 to inter intersection in Manistee County east of east to M66. Well, maybe it is mile marker. Um, so anyways, look it up. It's it is the, the article is what's, on what's the weight restriction? It doesn't actually say what the actual weight is. I've looked at it like three or four times thinking I over overread it. I'm not it, it tells me it doesn't even say what the weight it's going to be. But it does say... Well, we should find out. Yeah, starting March 6th, the Michigan um, Department of Transportation institutes its annual spring weight restriction in certain areas to in a move to protect roads as the ground thaws. So this article was on Overdrive Online, but I will go ahead and we'll look it up and see what the... Yeah, we kind of need to if we're going to report it. Well, it's not, it's, it's not telling me. Okay, I'm just saying we need to have it. I agree. All right, moving on. Moving on. And the word of the day, do you have that today? I do. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Let's go. Felicitate. Let's hear that one more time. Yeah. Felicitate. 
Felicitate? Felicitate. So what does felicitate mean? Congratulate. Really? Yeah. Why don't we just say congratulate? Because sometimes people need to say it in a different way. So I, f- I felicitate you? Well, I don't know if it would want to What does it say? Use it. Their sentence is, we wanted to be the first to felicitate our niece on her spelling bee victory. The CEO felicitated me for leading my division to record profits in the past year. It's just a, a different way to say it. Yeah. I, I, I would just say um, that I would like to congratulate um, the word felicitate for <laughs> imitating the word graduate. Congratulate. Congratulations to felicitation for imitating graduation. Okay. Graduation. Or gradu- <laughs> congratulations, rather. And, 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 and for making me tongue-tied. Anyways. Right. Here's Dan, we're out of here. We're out of here. Peace. All right. Peace. Praise the Lord.